Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. Wow, what a week. It's been one struggle after another. I, I just can't catch a break. Everything I do... Every time I turn a corner, there's another roadblock right in front of me. I wish there was something or someone I could turn to for direction. It just seems that every step I take, well, it just results in two or three, uh, let's be honest, five steps backwards. Just don't know what to do anymore. Everyone I talk to has an opinion, but they can't seem to agree on any one direction. They all say the same thing at the end. Whatever feels right to you, well, that's your truth. But that doesn't seem right to me. There's got to be one way that's best, right? I I just don't know whose advice to trust. I mean, who's telling the truth? Are any of them right? I, I don't know where to turn anymore. I... I'm just tired of being disappointed and discouraged with this so-called life. I mean, this really doesn't feel like life. It doesn't feel like living at all. I feel like I merely exist, and there's no resolution in sight. Is there anyone, anything out there that can rescue me from this lifeless existence? I'm told I should find peace within myself, but how can that happen when I'm consumed with utter chaos? I feel like I am in a constant battle with myself, and I hate it. I I hate every minute of it. I don't like the uncertainty and the chaos that I feel every single day. I just want to find something, some sort of peace, some some form of peace that, well, some form of hope. I just don't want something that just masks my hurt and confusion. I need something or someone that offers real hope, that gives me confidence, if that's even possible. I wonder if such a thing even exists. Definitely haven't found it in the things I've been doing. Everything is just one disaster after another, one catastrophe after another. I I need help, please. I can't find something solid to stand on, a foundation that's unshakable that I can rest upon. I've been told that there's one way, one solid way to find a real life, but how can I find it? Where can I find it? Can someone please help me? Hurts, struggles, hang-ups, frustration, chaos, we all face it. We all have those dilemmas in life, we all have those places we turn, we don't know where to go and, and how to get beyond them. Well, I want you to know that there is a way, there is a hope, 
You see, we're in a series right now called Unshakable, talking about the seven times when Jesus made a bold statement. He says, I am. He followed it up by saying, I am the bread of life. I am the the light of this world. I am the door, the gate. I am the good shepherd. And last Sunday, we discovered that he's our resurrection and our life. In those moments and times when we, we feel dead, we feel empty, we feel lost, we can turn to Jesus and he will give us the life that we need. But here we are today. We find our sixth time that Jesus says, I am. Now, let me remind you, the, the phrase I am literally means I exist to be. So here we find in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus makes a statement. He says, I exist to be. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am, I exist to be the way, the truth, and the life. This is a, a triple, jam-packed statement. Jesus says, not only am I the way, but I'm also the truth and the life. You put all three together, it's a life-changing opportunity, a life-transforming moment for you and for me. I, I want to take the time this morning for the next few moments to really dissect this idea, this three-idea way, truth, and life that Jesus makes a statement to the disciples. And what brought Jesus to the place of making this bold statement about himself? Let me set the stage for you. Here we have Jesus. He's, he's demonstrating to the disciples what it means to be a servant. Do you remember the time? Many of you do. The Jesus and the disciples have met together for a great meal, and, and suddenly in the midst of the meal, Jesus stands up and he walks to the other side of the room and he grabs a, a towel and he wraps it around his waist. He picks up the basin of water and the bowl, and, and one by one, he begins to wash the disciples' feet demonstrating to them what it truly means to be a servant. You see, the, the role of the foot washer, it wasn't for the top line. It was set in motion for the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servants. Jesus was demonstrating to the disciples at that moment that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, if you really want to be used for the kingdom of God, you've got to learn to be a servant of all. But that's not where our story ends. Jesus goes on to tell them that one of you, one of you that's walked side by side with me every day for the last three and a half years, one of you is going to betray me. One of you will deny that you even know who I am. Confusion began to set in with the disciples. One of them very boldly began to rebuttal back. He says, Jesus, even if I have to die for you, even if I have to go to the grave for you, I will never, ever deny that I know you. What Peter didn't realize is that he, in fact, was the very one that would soon deny that he even knew Jesus. 
Jesus goes on in John chapter 14 to tell them that he is, he's about ready to leave them, but they know where he's going. Now remember, I just told you that the disciples were confused. They were trying to figure out who would betray him, and they were trying to figure out why Jesus, their master, was washing their feet. They were trying to figure out who would deny him, and, and now Jesus says, I'm going to leave you, but you already know where I'm going, and suddenly Thomas pipes up, and he says, whoa, we don't know where you're going, and we don't even know how to get there. This is the point that Jesus makes the sixth I am statement. In response to Thomas, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Now, have you ever been on a journey and, and you don't really know where you're going, so you rely upon a map or your, your GPS to get there. Some of you are old school map people. Some of you have no idea what a map is because for your entire existence as a human being, we've referred to this as our map. How many of you are old school map people? You like to get in the car and you open that map up wide and you're trying to figure out the best route to take. Some of you rely upon Siri. I'm a Siri relier upon her. That's the official way to say that. A Siri relier upon her. Uh, and I rely upon her to, to get me from point A to point B. But can I be honest, and I've shared this with you before, there are times that she leads me astray. There are times that she takes me down a path that I wish that she hadn't taken me or wouldn't ever take me again. There are moments in that journey where I'm following her directions to a T and she leads me to a place that I believe with all that is in me that a horror film is getting ready to start. I'm listening carefully for the banjos to begin to play. Something is about to go down, and it's not from God. Right? Anybody else ever been there on that kind of journey before? You're continuously relying upon Siri or Alexa or your map to get you from point A to point B, and eventually you find yourself there, but you're intently looking at the road signs, trying to figure out, is this exit 71B or 71C, or as you get closer to the city, there's like a C, D, E, F, G, X, all these things. You're like, where is Z? Right? Anybody else ever there? You're watching the signs to figure out where to go. Well, I did some research this week, and I found some road signs that seemed a bit confusing to me. See if you can relate. Look at this first one. Not a through street. Now, that's not a problem. We see that very often. It's not a through street. But what concerns me is the blue sign underneath it. Evacuation routes. Not a through street, but that's how you evacuate. Anybody else see the issue there? Or maybe you see this sign. No left turn, but turn left. It doesn't quite make sense to me, or, or maybe this one is up your alley, one-way street, but the problem is it's one way that way and one way that way, which is the correct way, where do I go, one way or one way, or this is my favorite, 
you reach a stop sign, you can't turn left, you can't turn right, you can't go straight, you can't go back, you are stuck right where you are. <laughs> These signs, I believe, are a direct illustration of what life looks like for us almost every day. Evacuation this way, but remember, there's ultimately no exits. Turn left, but don't really turn left. You can go one way, yet both ways are correct. Or stop here, but remember when you stop here, you can't turn left, right, forward, or back. That's what life feels like oftentimes. We find ourselves just spinning and spinning and spinning, or realistically just existing in life. But here we have Jesus. He's stepping in to the midst of the frustration, the confusion, the chaos of life. And he begins what seems like a new conversation in John chapter 14. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust God. Trust also in me. So just as Jesus looked at the disciples that day in the midst of their concerns and uncertainty, and he said, Trust God, trust also in me. I believe that it's as if he's speaking to you and to you and to you and to me today as well. And he said, in the midst of the chaos of your life and the confusion in your life, I want you to trust God, but trust also in me. You see, when we come to a place of truly relying upon Jesus, it's easier to understand and wrap ourselves around the fact that He is the way, that He is the truth, and that He is life. Let me say that again. When we come to the place of, of truly and, and completely relying upon Jesus, it's easier to understand that He is the way, the truth, and the life. But I believe that the reverse is also true when we embrace the fact that He is the way and the truth and the life. It's so much easier to come to the point and the place of truly 100% committing ourselves to Him. Now, I want to encourage you today for the next few moments, I want you to listen very carefully. We're going to take the time to look at this statement that Jesus made. We're going to dissect it. We're going to break it apart. We're going to see how it relates to each one of us in the midst of our confusion or maybe even doubts. The first unshakable that I see is this. Jesus is not just a way. He is the way. Jesus is not just a way. He didn't say, I am a way, a truth, and a life. No, no, no. He said, I am the way. I am the only way. Someone have you to believe that all religions are the same, that just pick and choose what you want, or, or combine a couple here and combine a couple there, or, or make this mic stand your God and you'll be okay, or, or just be at peace on the inside and, and you'll be all right. But can I help you to understand today, can I help us, help us to wrap ourselves around the fact today that Jesus is the only way? Entrance to heaven even forgiveness of sin is not a multiple choice test. 
It's not A or B or C or D, all of the above. It's Jesus is the way. There's not a variety of options. In fact, the truth of the matter is this. The road to hell is paved with good intentions and filled with good people. Man, that's hard to say. That's hard to, to accept. I can't tell you how many times over the numerous years of ministry, 18 to 20 years of ministry that I've been in, I've had people say to me things such as this. I want to do what's right. I really have good intentions. I don't doubt that. Or God would never send a good person like me to hell. Can I be honest with you? You're right. God won't send a good person to hell. We willfully choose to separate ourselves from him, and we choose that destination. The wages of sin is what? Death. The price that we are paid, that what we earn for the lifestyle of disobedience, a lifestyle of sin, is death. So the way to hell is paved with good intentions. I want to do what's right. I want to be a good person. It's crowded with good people. But Jesus makes a very bold statement. He says, I am the way to salvation. I am the key to a life eternal. I am the key to forgiveness. You say, your salvation is not based upon something that you can do. You can't have enough good intentions to earn your way to a right relationship with God. You can't be a good enough person. You can't volunteer enough. You can't give to charitable organizations enough. Jesus is the only way. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John uh, were speaking to the people and many religious folks as well when they made this statement. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The name that they're speaking of is the name of Jesus. There's salvation in no one else but Jesus. Why? Because he is the way. Not just a way, not an option, but he is the way, the only way. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That word must literally means... There is a need or a necessity thereof. You see, being a good person or simply following the rules will never cut it. How many of you are, are rule followers? Okay, some of you aren't following the rules because you didn't respond. How many of you are rule, either that or we only have two rule followers in the house today. How many of you are rule followers? My wife, yeah, my wife is a rule follower. 
um, oftentimes we'll be out and about as a family. We're, I'm driving, oftentimes I do drive, and, and we'll be in the parking lot as I'm trying to figure out how to get out of a parking lot. And how many of you know sometimes it's difficult to figure out how to get out of a parking lot? They don't make it easy for you. They want you trapped. So there's not an easy way to get out. So you're circling around. You're trying to figure it out. Finally, you find a, a direction, and you get to the end of that direction, and it's, you need to go left, but the sign says no left turn. I must admit, I'm guilty of turning left. Now, in that moment of seeing the no left turn sign, having my blinker on, I'm thinking to myself, there's no reason why I can't turn left. There's a road there. The road's open. And my wife is in the other seat going, but the rule says no. Right? Some of you are rule followers, but did you know that just following the rules won't cut it? Because we're an imperfect people. So there is a, a need or a necessity for something to, to help us come out of our imperfection and become what he'd have us to be. So if I can't be good enough, if I can't have enough good intentions, if, if I can't do enough right things, if I can't ever achieve that, because the Bible says every one of us falters, Every one of us fails. Every one of us makes mistakes. There's not a single one of us that is perfect. But I look at the fact that, that heaven is a perfect place, and, and here I am, a good person with, with good intentions, but I'm not perfect because I, I falter. Then that proves that I'm not perfect. Therefore, it's impossible for an imperfect person to spend eternity in a perfect heaven on our own merit. Again, because we're imperfect, but heaven is perfect. And if imperfect gets into a perfect heaven, then that perfect heaven is no longer perfect, but imperfect. Don't ask me to repeat that. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? On our own account, by ourselves, heaven is impossible. So there's a need. There's a necessity. There's salvation in no other name. Jesus is the only way. Now, the disciples were convinced that the greatest need of every single person was to be rescued from a life of sin. They believed that the greatest need of every person was to be rescued from ultimate spiritual death. See, what Jesus wants to do in you is more than just keep you from sinning. He wants to begin a new work on the inside of each and every one of us. Because our greatest need, listen carefully this morning, our greatest need is not a ticket to heaven. Your greatest need, my greatest need, is not a ticket to get into heaven. Our greatest need is a connection to the one that not only knows the way, but is the way. 
That's our greatest need. What we have is not a sin problem. I said a moment ago that we all falter, that we all fail, that we all make mistakes. What we have is not a sin problem. It's not the fact that we sin too much. The problem we have is a heart problem. Other verses, well, Jeremiah 17 says this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. The human heart is deceitful. The human heart is wicked. Other verses say it defiles us. It's filled with evil thoughts. It's, it's filled with murder. It's filled with adultery. It's filled with slander. It's stony. It's stubborn. So what do we do? Every one of us has a heart and every one of us falters. Every one of us has this problem. Is there even any hope? Is is there a way? I would say yes. Jesus is the way. Our biggest problem is not a sin issue, but it's a heart problem. We need Jesus to transform and renew us. We need a connection to the way we need Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 36 says this. So if the Son, who is a Son? Jesus. If Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. Now, another translation says it this way. You'll be free through and through. Oh, that's good. That's good stuff. That's the way Jesus works in your life and in my life. He doesn't just put a skim coat over the top of us and make us look really good on the outside. But he begins at the very innermost part of our being, changing out that stony, stubborn heart and replacing with a tender, responsive heart that beats for the things of God. And suddenly, as he's beaten for him, things are flowing through our lives and he's changing us through and through. Jesus is the way. Can I just tell you, you can't do that on your own. You can't accomplish that by yourself, not with a thousand good intentions. You can never accomplish that. That's why there's a necessity, a need for Jesus. The second unshakable that I see is this. In a world where there is no absolutes, Jesus is our absolute. See, society would have, have you to believe that, that truth can change. That truth can be whatever you want it to be. Let me give you an example, because truth, in fact, never changes. Did you know that? What's true yesterday is true today. Truth is always the same. Truth is consistent. Here's proof. Gooseberry pie. That's your proof. See, several years ago, many, many years ago, Angie and I's first house, it was a 831 square foot bungalow house sitting on a small property in town of St. James. In the backyard we had grapevines and there it was, a gooseberry bush. 
And every time that I went out and mowed the yard, I would get my weed eater and I would very carefully trim around that gooseberry bush to make sure that I didn't harm it in any way. I'd never tasted it, but I thought surely if it's producing fruit, it must be great. So I'm, I'm going around it. My mother-in-law looks to me and she says, hey, if you'll pick all the gooseberries off of that bush, I'll make you a gooseberry pie. And I thought, yes, about time. That is awesome. So I picked all of the gooseberries, put them in a nice little bowl, and, and took them to her. And she said, I'll have a pie ready for you. She brings it to the house, and it looked amazing. I was like, that is pie. Come on, somebody for pie? <laughs> took my fork, and I dug into that gooseberry pie, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be glorious. Took a big bite. Oh, my gracious, that was the worst thing ever. Here is the truth. Gooseberry pie is awful. You will never convince me otherwise. Truth is truth. So what did I do? I got up from the table. I, I went to the backyard. I examined that glorious gooseberry bush. I cut it down, and I mowed over it. Because something that horrible should never, ever be ingested into a human body again gooseberries are awful now i wish that i could spend more time on this point in a world where there is no absolute jesus is our absolute but suffice it to say that jesus never changes he is the same yesterday today and forever he is consistent in every way he is absolute Absolute, by definition, simply means free from imperfection. Perfect. Jesus is perfect. That's, that's who he is, our, our perfect truth. He is the one that you can lean upon. He's the one that you can depend upon. He's the one when the winds begin to blow and the ground begins to shake that you can grab a hold of. And he is an unshakable foundation for you. He's the one that will never fail you. But all the world can offer you. No matter how they dress it up, no matter how they color it or, or clothe it, sooner or later it will let you down time and, and time again. But Jesus, he will never fail. You see, in a world where there's no absolutes, Jesus is our absolute. He's our unshakable foundation. Jesus is the only truth that will completely set you free. Look at John chapter 8, verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, is Jesus here saying, if you get a, a high school diploma, if you go through kindergarten and additional 12 years of education, then you'll have the knowledge you need to truly, truly be free. Or, or is it if you go on to college and you get a bachelor degree, and once you have a bachelor degree, then you will truly be free. Or maybe you go on and you get a master's degree, you specialize in an area, and once you have that degree, then you will be free. Or, or is it you go on and get a doctorate, and once you have that doctorate, then you will truly be free. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Jesus isn't talking about more education. He's not talking about a, a higher level of knowledge. See, Jesus is the only truth that will set us apart from a life of sin. Jesus is the only truth that can change 
that stony, stubborn, non-responsive heart. But this world, it tries to justify its actions. It tries to justify its behavior. But Jesus moves in among us and releases the captive from the bondage, the lifestyle of sin. This, this idea of to know the truth, it brings about the idea of a process of learning, of truly getting to know. And here's what I've discovered. The more that I get to know Jesus, the more that I process through who He is, the more I find out there is more of Him that I need to know. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in my office across the desk from individuals and we're talking doctrine or theology and, and as we're processing through, I'll look to them and I'll say this, you know, there are some things this side of heaven that we will never understand. We will never be able to wrap ourselves around. We can kind of try to figure it out, but there are going to be a lot of things that I want to get, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, okay, Jesus, explain this. How did that work? What did that look like? So what we're talking about here is not gaining knowledge, but getting to know the way and the truth. It's a connection with Him. And I'm reminded that our connection with God is not a once and done, but it's a, a daily commitment. It's, Lord, I surrender my life to you. And the next day, God, once again, I commit myself to you. Lord, once again, I pick up that cross and I follow you. Lord, once again, I turn my sights upon you. Lord, once again, I turn to you because you are the way and you are the truth. Yet how often are we guilty of trading the truth of Jesus for the lies of this world. How often are we guilty of trading the truth of Jesus, the way and the truth, trading it for the lies of this world? In Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, and you can read it later, the Bible talks about a, a group of individuals that are diving in to dangers such as this. People much like you and, and me. They become comfortable with the world around them. They become comfortable with what society is offering and laying out. They begin to create their own image and imagination of what God must be. And they fail to embrace the one true God. In the end, as you read through that section of Scripture, we find them so far away from God that they not only embrace the sin, but they abandon the grace. Oh, what dangerous ground we walk on when we embrace the sin and abandon the grace. We need Jesus. I encourage you today, I urge you today, run to the truth. Maybe you're like the disciples. Maybe you're confused right now. Maybe you can't wrap yourself around what's happening in your life. 
right now. You see those road signs. One way. No left turn, but turn left. Evacuation site, but there's no through traffic. Stop here, now there's nowhere to go. You don't know what to do in your life. I, I challenge you today, run to the truth. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust Jesus. Rely upon him. Our third unshakable is this. The existence this world offers pales in comparison to the life with Jesus. The existence that this world offers, what we have presented to us every single day, pales into comparison to the life with Jesus. Now there are some of you here today that you're living a multiple choice, fully flawed existence on your own. And you're wondering why life doesn't seem to work. Every time you turn around, every sign that you look upon, you become more and more and more confused. May I suggest to you, turn to God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Everything that this world offers pales in comparison to what Jesus offers to you today. Turn completely to God. A, a partial, half-hearted commitment is never going to work. You see, a, a relationship with Jesus is all or nothing. It's not on today and off tomorrow. It's all or nothing. Jesus sees where you are right here and right now and he longs to have a connection with you why he's the way the truth and the life but how many of us can relate to the church of laodicea that it's mentioned in the book of revelation chapter three jesus is speaking he says i, I know all the things you do do you know you can't hide from jesus he knows what's happening in your life he says, I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out. One translation says, I'll vomit you out. I can't stomach you. You say, but I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need anything but you don't realize you're wretched you're miserable you're poor you're blind and you're naked there is a, a need a necessity for a change how many of us are like that today? You're just existing. You haven't really connected with the way. Truth is anything goes. And life, you're just existing. I'm just going through the motions. 
But can I just tell you, Jesus desires today to bring you back. He desires to, to set you free, not just on the outside, but, but through and through. He desires, he longs to give you real life. Remember, there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. You're here today. And this message has resonated inside of you. It calls for a response. You say, Pastor, that's me. I haven't really been leaning upon Jesus. In fact, I don't even know him. I haven't committed myself. Would you pray with me today? God, Lord, speak across this house.